It's New Hampshire Headlines in WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get more from the show. And you can listen to New Hampshire Headlines every Friday morning in the 6 a.m. hour of WKXL in the morning, which I also host here at the station weekdays from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Excited to be joined this week. First time on New Hampshire Headlines. He previously joined me once on the New England Take. Reporter Damian Fisher. He's a freelancer here in the state, works for uh, multiple outlets. Excited to have you back on. Thanks. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a it's a big day here for me at the at the Fisher Ranch. I, I put in my first ever order for ducklings, so uh, looking forward to that. Awesome, getting those guys in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's great. The, that means he's not going anywhere for a while, so that's yeah. good. So keep keep an eye out we'll, for his writing. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> All right, let's start out over with, so we're going to be covering articles that you've written for In-Depth NH as well as New Hampshire Journal. I'm huge fans of both those yeah. outlets, so uh, please check them out. I actually had Nancy West, who runs In-Depth NH, on, my, on the New England Take a couple weeks ago. If you go to the newenglandtake.com, yeah. the interview's up there. So Nan- let's, Nancy's the best. She's great. She really is. All right, so let's start off with a uh, big thing at In-Depth NH that they cover is the Lori list is a big highlight that, that Nancy really puts a focus on, and there was some confusion over the release of some of the latest names on that. Yeah, th- there seems to be a, a lack of uh, attention to detail. This is the second time in a row there's been some confusion uh, about the list that they released. Uh, under the law that they uh, agreed to, the Attorney General's office is supposed to update the list every quarter, uh, with new names. There's a process by which police officers can keep their name from getting on the list if they take it to court. Uh, otherwise, the names become public. Uh, this month, uh, a couple about a week ago, they released the, the updated list with what they said, two new names on there, 190 names. Uh, I scanned through it. I killed my printer printing out different lists, uh, and I found one new name properly published and there's a, a second name that seems to be uh, released inadvertently as part of the, the list of names that was supposed to be blacked out. Um, both former New Hampshire state troopers, uh, John Hennessy and uh, Nathan Ewell, I think I'm saying that name right, uh, are now on the list or they are now, they published them. Uh, and we don't really know why they're on the list. That's part of the problem of the current lawyer list. These officers uh, are alleged to have committed some sort of infraction uh, that speaks to their credibility. They lied or they um, uh, engaged in some form of uh, violence. Uh, but we don't know, really. Uh, I've covered this for a while, and I know there are officers on the list who shouldn't be. Uh, there was one officer in New Boston, Alexandra Drake, who was placed on the Lori list in retaliation after she complained about uh, being sexually harassed by a superior. So the list itself is problematic. The whole system that the state uses uh, is problematic. And people really don't know if, you know, when they're getting pulled over, should that police officer have a badge and a gun? We don't know. There's no way that um, the state is being transparent even now with this new law. I mean, it's it's almost becoming they're in danger of this becoming a real liability, having this thing that's supposed to be um, helpful information for the state and police departments for hiring and things like that. Like if they continue to make mistakes like this, they're just opening themselves out to tremendously expensive lawsuits because these these people that are on the list and maybe weren't supposed to be won't be able to get a job. And and guess what? They're going to they're going to try and put in for every bit of income they would have lost and then uh, pain and suffering. 
Exactly. And the, there is, keep in mind, we have about 200 individual law enforcement agencies in New Hampshire. So your local board of selectmen, they're in charge of your police department, uh, board of aldermen, whatever. There, there's one statewide agency, the state police. But other than that, there's no uniform standards for police in New Hampshire. Uh, so there's really no agency monitoring them. You've got 200 individual law enforcement agencies. You've got 200 sets of oversight and no uniform standard. So yeah. it's it's going to be a problem uh, that keeps coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's I could kind of expect these sort of issues if this was like a tremendously long list or something. If we had some huge right. issue, but there's 260 names. Is 260 names on that list. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of uh, cops out there. Like I said, there's cops on that list who shouldn't be. And there are a lot of cops who should be on that list who shouldn't be working. And and they're not on the list. And and why is that? We we don't know when a police officer has been credibly accused or had a sustained accusation of misconduct. Uh, another story I'm following for in-depth is uh, a state representative by the name of Jonathan Stone, who was a, a police officer for the city of Claremont. He was fired in 2006. We don't know why. Uh, I'm going to the Supreme Court to try and find out why, to try and have his records unsealed. Uh, judge has said they should be unsealed, but he gets to appeal that to the Supreme Court. So, um, yeah, there's nobody knows, and it's it's this sort of veil of secrecy as for police. Has the legislature been looking at this at all, or is this basically just stuck in bureaucratic nonsense in the courts? Well, the, the current law where they release a little bit of information is the compromise uh, that was accepted by the New Hampshire ACLU, the union leader, uh, the National Telegraph, a whole bunch of news sites, except for in-depth. Uh, Nancy West, she she brought the lawsuit originally and she's not backing down. Uh, you know, she wants everything. And uh, and that's and, and I think she's right. Yeah. I mean, especially to have it centralized, because, I mean, if you got to go to each individual courthouse along the line, say you want to really figure out what happened with the latest officer that may have been put on the list, rightfully or wrongfully. Uh, I mean, you're right. talking an ungodly amount of time and money in order to really put an investigative report together like that. I mean, we already have a huge issue with a lack of investigative reporters in the state because it's so expensive. It's yes. Uh, I'll show you my pacer bill sometime. <laughs> uh, you know, the the state put together a commission uh, after the murder of George Floyd uh, that was meant to uh, uh, bring accountability to law enforcement. And I really it, what it it didn't. One of the ideas that they that was mentioned uh, was a, a commission uh, similar to uh what happens with attorneys when there's a complaint, there would be a, an independent body that looks at these complaints and decides, are they sustained? And then at that point, the complaint would become public. That hasn't happened yet. That's that sort of uh, died in the legislature. Uh, so that commission, uh, I think it was called We Act yep. uh, for Accountability and Law Enforcement. It didn't go anywhere. The reforms that they suggested, the the changes that they wanted, they we really haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Uh, but they did get you know the ACLU to sign off on what a good job they were doing. Um, yeah, and that seems to be so. the extent of it. I mean, when it comes down to the real world of the the 
the final solution we ended up getting from the LIAC commission. I mean, it's a huge mixed bag of no one seems to be really happy with it. It's another, I actually happened to catch on in depth uh, org. There's an art, there's a uh, podcast that uh, was put Roger Wood, I think his name is, mm-hmm. um, spoke to uh, Julian Jefferson over, he's a visiting professor at UNH Franklin Pierce right. School of Law. I disagree with him considerably when it comes to policy, but, but ultimately a, a half of his complaint was that there's no accountability the LIAC Commission didn't really produce anything, any big reforms that he can legitimately no. say these changes were successful and this is preventing cops that shouldn't be out on the streets from being on the streets. And it makes a bad case for people on the other side that want to support the police. Police officers like the Manchester police chief was on that interview on for the second half of it going like, we're, we're doing everything we can. Like, we're, we're not running the entire state's accountability system for the police. And if we don't have proper reporting coming out of anything, like, if there's a chief turnover, like this poor guy got stuck in the middle of, he, he's kind of stuck. He's got to just deal with the bad PR. Right. And the LEAC commission, and this is something, if I were cynical, I would say here is a commission made put together by the state. Uh, chaired by the De- Jane Young, who's then Deputy Attorney General. And it's uh, a bunch of cops are on there. The head of the police commission is on there. But you have the ACLU and the NAACP on there. And they're all signing off on, on what they say are these reforms, which are, you know, more biased training. Well, who provides the training? Yeah. The ACLU and the NAACP. So they, if I were cynical, I would say they, they got these stakeholders to buy in on no reforms in exchange for contracts for, for bias training. But I, I try not to be cynical. And, and I mean, even from maybe not cynicism necessarily for it, but I mean, the numbers, when you look at the these trainings, the success rate in the long term don't push the needle in any direction. There's no right. statistics that support these trainings do anything for people that already have their beliefs. People that are already open-minded are going to be open-minded before and after the people that are of right. a bad state of mind when it comes to this. They're going to come out of it with worse because they're just going to be like, I had to sit through this training. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, well, we'll continue to follow that in it. Uh, in depth nh.org to follow that story. Let's push over to nhjournal.com. Oh yeah, um, which is, which uh, big fan of Michael Graham, whose podcast is now at every week, so we get to hear his sarcasm. He's terrific. <laughs> he's he's. I mean, he's the other one. I, I I love working for Nancy. I love working for Michael. It's uh, sort of the yin and the yang for me. Yeah, uh, they are. It's tons of fun. Yeah. All right. So you are you touched on. Uh, Education Freedom Accounts program is getting much right. more pushback as it's basically gotten since before it even went through. But uh, we're in a right. new house session. So what's the latest on this? Well, the Democrats keep trying to kill it. because <laughs> It's too expensive. And at the same time, they, they want the state to spend more per pupil at the public school. Uh, this this latest effort, it, I think it, it died by, by one vote, uh, was uh, to force parents to send their kids to a public school for at least a year before they can access the, the education freedom accounts. So, I, I mean, that's just bonkers. Yeah. Uh, either you're, you're going to have these or you're not. Uh, and this is clearly an attempt to keep parents from, from accessing these, these accounts. Uh, and, you know, you're talking about kids who, you know, maybe they have a special need and a public school just doesn't work for them. Uh, maybe they're getting bullied and 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 it's just not a great environment. Maybe maybe they excel in some areas and a, and a private school offers them uh, a you know a better program. 
And what they're telling these parents is you have to do public school first. Uh, it just gross. I mean, it was gross. And yeah. I, the first thing I saw it because the big thing with that is I, I've got I've got an eight year old. He's been on the show mm -hmm. multiple times, so people have see, seen and heard his on on my programming before. But I couldn't imagine sending him to a school for a year, and knowing I want him to go somewhere else for whatever ethical or learning reason why they want to do that. He's not going to want to leave. He's going to make friends. He's going to exactly. like his teachers. He's going to have have the community you expect in 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 a school, and say, nope, guess what, bud, <laughs> be switching out in another year, and it's terrible. Well, I couldn't do that. And uh, what it gets down to is, should parents be able to decide where they want their kids to go to school? You know, we're, we've, we've got the Claremont decision in New Hampshire that says the state needs to provide an adequate education. Okay, and, and we can argue about what adequate means, and, uh, and but this gives parents the opportunity to, to decide what they think is an adequate education, what, what type of education they want their kids to get. And... Uh, you know, I, I pay plenty of property taxes for education and, uh, I, I should be able to direct how it gets spent. Yeah. And, and it was it Alt Schiller that, that put this forward? It, it was, yeah, I, I think it was, uh, Alt Schiller and, uh, uh, representative David, uh, I'm going to mangle his name cause I'm tired now, uh, from Hopkinson. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's 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 dishonest for Democrats to say that they're not trying to kill EFAs. That's exactly what they're trying to do, and that's that's what this was designed to do. Uh, their next step is to uh, take over the auditing process so they can uh, throttle everyone down. If this were another service, if this were uh, an attempt to to throttle down people from, um, you know, healthcare or or food stamps, which are are you know these are necessary uh, benefits, Democrats would be thrown a fit. Yeah. Right. If if we were saying you can, yeah, you can, we're going to get you health insurance, but you can only go to a CVS or you can only go to, um, you know, this particular place. That's ridiculous. Now, Schiller sent her own kids to private school. <laughs> yes. Which a is very a pattern. Private school. Yes. I, I think it's, I think it's about $50,000 a year. Ugh. So, and, and EFA parents aren't getting that. No, uh, they're not. They're not getting. They're not getting the full cost of an education. No, uh, and it's a big thing. Like the, it's four times the the poverty limit is the bare three or four mm -hmm. times four times the right. poverty limit right now. Which if a family of four comes out to between seventy five and eighty thousand dollars a year. That's not. They're not rolling in the dough with that sort of income with with a family of four. No. You're you're not paying for Phillips Exeter with that. No, right? it, it, yeah. And if you are doing that for multiple kids, I mean, the EFAs are not covering you for that. You're just going to be paying right. out of pocket, and I couldn't imagine putting this kind of money aside like that. What, what, they're, what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to sort of squash the um, – and, and a lot of the, the laws for public education funding are designed to squash uh, Catholic parochial schools, private Christian schools, because these, these are the schools that they cost a bit of money, but they're not – prohibitively expensive uh and and for a lot of families they offer a better program uh and uh for a long time in this country and particularly in new hampshire there was a mistrust of, of catholics and, and catholic schools and and um they wanted to basically ban uh parochial schools and, and keep any any state money from from going to parents going there 
All right, so let's close out for the last four minutes here. A little teaser okay. for your upcoming article on uh, Slaves of the Immaculate Heart that's going to be coming out. Uh, what outlet's that going to be on? Well, it's uh, it's going to. I'm not sure where it's going to appear. It's for the wire service, OSV News, uh, and it, it's about the slaves who are. Um, uh, I think the correct theological term is bonkers. Uh, they're considered a radical traditionalist Catholic group. Uh, by the FBI who put out this memo that they since retracted uh, saying, hey, we should infiltrate these guys because they could be dangerous. The slaves uh, are not allowed to call themselves Catholic by Bishop Labashi uh, because they are really outside the mainstream. Uh, specifically, they're very uh, anti-Semitic uh, and they uh, ha- have a history of just uh, being awful in terms of uh, Jewish people. Uh, so there's no history that no evidence, excuse me, that they've ever been linked to violence, but this is a strange group, uh, and, uh, you know, worth watching. Yeah. It, it's not like, so the, the issue I find when I, when I see these articles initially is the, the FBI's credibility is a little, uh, iffy when it comes to such groups, but uh, it seems like they're yeah. actually hitting the nail on the head with at least the possibility of these, this group being problem. Yeah. I mean, they're... They're they're odd, and there's no law against being <laughs> there's no law against yeah. being odd. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, we would be upset if the FBI or some of us would be upset if the FBI were trying to infiltrate mosques because yeah. uh, uh, they're possible terrorists. Uh, and that's essentially what they're saying is these guys at some point could be possible terrorists, so we should infiltrate them and, and investigate them, and that's troubling. Uh, the funny thing about the FBI memo is uh, that it states toward the end the actual possibility that these groups would, say, merge with the KKK or, or another white nationalist group are fairly slim because most white nationalists don't like Catholics. Yeah. They, they're, so, it's, 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 <laughs> they're a Catholic group is totally off in left field exactly. when it comes to these groups. Right. And and most of these folks, the, the radical traditionalists, they think anybody who isn't Catholic is a heretic. So, you know— the cooperation may not be there long run. Yeah, it, like are is like are they like collecting guns or something? Like, like what makes them think that violence is a possible future outcome with them? Yeah, well, uh, with the slaves, again, like I said, there's there's no indication that they engage in any kind of violence. Uh, it is New Hampshire, and we've all got guns. Uh, you know, they're, they've got this this property way out in the woods. I'm uh, I'm sure they you know. They like to plink just like everybody else. But, uh, as you know, there's no fire bombings or anything like that. Uh, it's mostly their, their rhetoric which is troubling. Uh, but does that warrant an FBI investigation? I, I don't know. Yeah. You're allowed to be crazy in this country. If we've, we've established one thing in our, in our history, you're allowed to be yeah. crazy and I hope have so. a crazy group in yeah, this exactly. country. <laughs> exactly. All right. Damien Fisher, independent reporter here in the state. Check out his work over at nhjournal.com, in-depthnh.org. And what's your Twitter handle so people can uh, follow you over there? Oh, rats. I don't know. I think it's uh, NH Damien. NH Damien. Let's let's double check that. Does, does he know right. where he posts every day? I definitely have. have I don't. Right I, I don't know where I am, to be honest. <laughs> NH Damien. So be sure to give him a follow over there. Thanks so much for awesome. joining me. All right. Thanks a lot, man. It's New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. To get more from the station, all our shows are posted on demand over there. And thank you for listening to WKXL in the morning. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. right here on WKXL. I'm your host, A.J. Kirstead.